Yeah, I heard some of you laughing. I guess it's not as dark up here as I thought it was. So, <laughs> good morning. Um, we're going through a four-part series called Chasing Christmas. And, um, and Greg talked last week about chasing hope and what hope looks like from a biblical perspective. And it looks more like a delivery package than it does a wish. And other things we chase, and one of the things I'm going to be talking about today is peace. We chase peace. Um, but we, we chase peace the way um, that the world understands it. You know? um, and, and peace from the world's perspective, sometimes at the very least, is, is a lack of conflict in our lives, or a lack of tension, a lack of fear and anxiety. And it's even grown into this idea of tolerance and acceptance of everyone and everything. But in wanting everyone to get along, culture has become a tyrant to us all. And, you know, the the idea is if we can legislate um, hate speech, if we could legislate acceptance, if we can legislate our differences of opinion, we can find peace as a culture and as a world. And not just accepting those differences, but but embracing them and even endorsing them. This, this tolerance movement has been going on for some time now, and I just want to ask, how's that working out for us? You know, I mean, Muslims are still at war with Christians, and Palestinians are still at war with Israel. Nations and countries are still at war with one another. But it shouldn't be a surprise, because the scriptures say, even to the very last days, it's going to be this way. There's going to be nation against nation, brother against brother, wars and rumors of wars. The tolerance movement hasn't done anything to remedy the problem of a lack of peace in our lives or in our world. And I would say this, I think we're more divided than ever. I would even go so far as to say this, that history, if we look at history, history is simply a history of war. Because think about it, we don't write history, we don't record things when nothing's going on. You know, I mean, it's, we write about wars, we write about governments and empires overtaking governments and empires, and to the victor goes the spoils, and they write the history. We, speak, we, we seek peace, we desire peace, and in the search for peace, we find unrest, we find anxiety because... We cannot obtain peace in the long term. But I think we see glimpses of it. And Christmas is one of those times that we see a glimmer of peace. There is nothing like the peace we experience during the Christmas season. I mean, think about it. Endless shopping. (laughs) Cooking. Cleaning. More cooking, more cleaning, wrapping, baking, parties, trying to stay on budget, having a difference of opinion with your spouse of what that budget should look like, the pressure of finding that perfect gift for that someone special, pretending to like that perfect gift from that someone special. You know, you're finishing up work projects so that you can enjoy your time off. You're, you're cramming for exams and taking finals so that you can enjoy your Christmas vacation. There's traffic. 
There's crowded stores. There's endless lines. There is weight gain, which is probably the funnest one out of them all. Um, you know, there's that last-minute emergency shopping because you forgot to put someone on your list. Or someone unexpectedly gave you a gift, so now you've got to run out and do emergency shopping so they think that you were, they were on your list. We even try to coerce peace by bargaining with our children to stay on the good list and not move to the naughty list. But I do want to assure you, we fool ourselves into thinking that the Christmas season is a time of peace, but the hectic schedules, consumerism has stolen that. But I assure you, Christmas is the promise of peace. Christmas is the coming of peace. It's not a fabricated peace. It's not a temporary peace. It's an eternal peace. Peace was born on Christmas morn. I know that's corny, but I really like that. So, but, um, but, you know, people, people seek the wrong kind of peace at Christmas. You know, the peace we desire, and, and Christmas is kind of a microcosm of that. And that that we desire throughout the year is, is right relationships, resolution to our problems, a comfortable and a riskless life. You know, we, 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 we look for the absence of conflict. We look for everything going my way, circumstances working out in my favor. But it's a false and it's an unattainable peace that we buy into because I'll tell you this, oftentimes when you want something, it goes against what someone else wants. This happens in my house, Thanksgiving and Christmas I want to watch football. My wife wants to watch Hallmark movies. I mean, there's Christmas in July. There's Christmas Hallmark movies. There's all these autumn movies. Okay, spoiler warning, people. These movies are the same story over and over again. They change the actors. They change their names. It's the same story. I'd even go so far as to say this. It is the Scooby-Doo Saturday morning cartoons. It took me a while to realize that the first person those meddling kids ran into was the villain. But I figured it out. Hallmark movies. They have like this seemingly perfect life. They're rich. They're successful. And then they go to some podunk town somewhere and they have conflict with somebody. That is their perfect life. That is their love interest. Just ruined all of them for you. But that's the truth. Yeah. You know, and part of the other reason, too, that it, it's a false is, is that there's also conflict of, of where we're going to spend our holidays, with whom we're going to spend our holidays. If we can talk our kids into ditching their in-laws and spending Christmas with us, we want resolution and managed tension in our lives. But sometimes there isn't resolution to our problems. Sometimes the tension gets away from us, and we can't manage it, or we don't manage it well. We want answers to our problems, but sometimes there's not answers. Or sometimes those answers are a long ways away. And peace at Christmas has also become something that we fabricate, that peace 
by giving gifts to one another. The gifts makes us feel like we're at peace with one another. That we can put all of our differences aside just for one day and simply get along. But it doesn't last. And we end up chasing this Christmas peace the rest of the year because we're looking for it in the wrong place. Christmas is the promise and it is the arrival of true peace. I want you guys to uh, turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 68 through 79. In the, Bible, the Bibles are provided in the seats in front of you. If you want to grab one, you can turn to page 856. I'm going to read it real quick. Um, just to give you a heads up, uh, Zechariah. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. And an archangel Gabriel came to him and, prophet, and let him know that he was giving, they were going to give birth to John the Baptist, who is going to be the forerunner for Jesus Christ. So Zechariah, you know, he's prophesying about his son, John the Baptist, in this text. And he says this, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and he has redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, John the Baptist, and you will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. In the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, that's true peace. In Hebrew, it's called shalom. And people used to greet each other with that term. But it's more than just a greeting. It's more than just a well-wishing. It is living in a state of peace. Peace from your enemies. And that was called posterity. Because they weren't going to come and take everything away from you. That you could live freely because you had peace with your enemies, and, and an inward peace, an inward peace through trusting an all-powerful God, that this relationship has been made right with God and with those he's placed around you. And we know this peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ as believers. And I'll say that there is an essential element of true peace, an essential element that is, that is the inward peace that only comes through the spiritual fulfillment of a right relationship with God. And that's found at Christmas because Christ came to make things right. We were enemies of God. The scriptures are clear. You were enemies of God. But now you've been reconciled and you've been redeemed and now you're called children of God. We have moved from being an enemy to being a child of God. And the scriptures say, don't fear man who can simply destroy your body. Fear God who has the power to destroy your 
body and your soul. And he was our enemy. And if you placed your faith in him, we're at peace with him. That relationship is the most significant relationship, the most essential aspect of, your, of eternity that we could ever consider. And the true element of peace really is found in assurance. In assurance. I have been married to the most amazing woman for the last 34 years. And she has shaped me into the man I am today. Yeah, that's right. Blame her. Blame her. <laughs> this is her fault. You know, but one of the areas um, that we have, well, let's just say we have uh, experienced the opposite of peace in our relationship is finances. She is a spender. I am not. And so we've never like really seen eye to eye. And so years ago, the church did a class called Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. And I signed us up for that. Boom. Because you know what? I'm going to fix her. <laughs> She's going to be thinking much better about money like I do. I learned this. I didn't deal with money very good. I didn't deal with money very good. And let me just, let me just kind of set this up for you. December. The month of December has always been a financial crisis month in our lives, in our married lives. Okay? I mean, you got Christmas. You know, I get that, right? But also, December, our car insurance comes due. And we make one lump payment. So that's like 1200 bucks coming out of our budget in December. Our homeowner's insurance is due in December. Whew, there's... Another twelve, thirteen hundred dollars coming out of our budget in December. Our property tax installment is due in December, and that's fifteen hundred dollars. We always hosted Christmas Eve and we hosted Christmas Day, and we always had like 20, 25 family. Boom, we gotta buy the groceries for those things. I mean, this is, you know, and I'm paying the bills, I'm trying to figure out how to come up with this money, and then I'm going, okay, wife, we need to set a budget for Christmas. How much? What are we going to do for Christmas? And by that time, our kids were married. You know, we had Alyssa and Johnny. We had Corinne and Dale. And we had the grandkids, you know. And so I'm talking, and I'm like, okay, I just want to plan for this. And she's like, all right. So I said, what do you think? And she said, I'm thinking probably like, you know, I don't know, two, $300, you know, for the, for the kids. I'm like, two, $300, wow. Okay, two, four, six, that's going to be six, or three, six, nine, it's going to be $600 to $900 more coming out of, obviously she doesn't pay the bills, right? So, um, so I'm sitting there going, six or $900, wow, you know? And she's like, oh, no, 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 I meant for each one. Yeah, you're with me, right? Yeah. I can't believe this, right? And so I'm like, and, and by, by the way, not only do I have to pay the bills in December, my wife's here, so I'm going to pay for this, too. Um, but, but, you know, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, right? So we have this difference of opinion, and I'm not going to tell you who won, but she does the shopping. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. No financial peace, but there's happiness, I'll tell you. You know, so anyway, during this class of FPU, one of the things they talked about was, Okay, you, you know these expenses are coming up. Why don't you put money aside 
every month so that when those bills come due, you don't have to worry how to come up with that money. You can just write the checks because the account is full. <laughs> Who'd ever thought of that? <laughs> I mean, this was groundbreaking stuff, people. Um, so, so we did. We put money aside. And at the, in December now, there is kind of a financial piece where we can just write those checks and deplete our accounts. Because, <laughs> but the money's there. The money's there. It also said this. It said set up an emergency fund, like two or $3,000 just to start with. So when something unexpected comes up, like your transmission goes out, you can just write that check. And, it, and instead of it being a financial crisis for you, it simply becomes an inconvenience for you. And that's the kind of peace that we find with God. And it's a true peace that lasts all year. We've made peace with God, the most important aspect of our eternal lives. The bank account with him is full. Anything we experience in this life is an inconvenience. And we do try to fabricate this false peace at Christmas time. And, and I'll tell you, my wife and I do try to fabricate somewhat of a false peace in our lives as well. Because um, one of the things that's important to us as a couple is vacations. And, and I'll just tell you, my wife and I are really busy people. My wife is the type of person, and she has the type of job, literally, she could work 24 hours a day. So on those nights or evenings where we're kicking back together, and she grabs the computer, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, no, 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 I just want to check an email real quick. I've lost her for the evening. I go to bed by myself, and when I'm going to work in the morning, she's still on the computer. So... This is our life. So, so we made two rules when we go on vacation. Rule number one, no shopping. Yeah. I mean, we'll set aside, you know, an hour or so to pick up some junk so the grandkids think that we were thinking about them while we were gone. But, but the other part is, is no technology. No technology. We, you know, we bring a computer, but that's just to download our pictures so we can post them on Facebook when we get home. And, uh, but the other part is, you know, we put the cell phones in the safe. We lock the safe. We don't check our phones. We don't check our email. And we really get that week to just pour into each other, you know, to just love each other, to just enjoy each other. And it is great. It's great for our marriage. It fills our cups. But we do know we're coming back to real life. And we do know that that is kind of temporary. But what Christ has given us on Christmas and what God has done for us on Christmas is a true peace that can last not just through the year, but forever. And like that emergency fund, the essentials, our primary concerns are already taken care of. I just want to point out a couple of scriptures Isaiah 25, 8 through 9. 
And this is this, he, God, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all our faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. And a quick other one is uh, Revelations 21. 1 through 7. If you got your Bibles out, turn it to 1041, but I'll just read it real quick. Revelations 21, 1 through 7, and John speaking, he says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as his bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, and I love this part, write this down. Write this down is what it says. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. Our primary concerns, the absolute essentials are taken care of and they're promised to us to the point that he said, write this down. And it's promised to us through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and what does this look like? How does it affect our lives? And I just want to point to a friend of mine. Uh, His name is Steve Hook. He's the one, he brought me to the Lord in high school. And he loved the Lord. And he truly was a gifted artist. I mean, he really was a gifted artist. He loved art. He wanted to do art, you know, some, some capacity uh, in his life. And in his late 20s, he was diagnosed with MS. And as he suffered some of the debilitating effects of MS, he took off. He left his wife and just bailed. And I don't remember if it was just a couple of weeks or like a month, but nobody knew where he was. He had just really vanished. And then he came back home, you know, and uh, to his wife and everything else. And, um, and I w- I, we went up to visit him. And, you know, but when I got up there, he, he was living in Oregon, and, uh, and he was in bad shape. I mean, you had to get this crane to lift him out of bed and put him in a wheelchair and take him out of his wheelchair and put him in bed. He had to wear diapers. He really couldn't write or draw or anything anymore. And um, so, so that's the situation. And then also, kind of during that time, my dad, who wasn't a believer at the time, uh, he's kind of an atheist, and I told him, I want to I talk to you, Dad. On Saturday mornings, let's get together. I want to go through the Bible. I want to show you why it's reasonable to believe that there is a God. And I want to answer your questions and your challenges so that you'll come to a place that you know God, or at least investigate the possibility. 
So we met, and we were meeting for a few weeks. And, and one, of the things, one of the things that he challenged me with was, was this. He says, I don't know if I can believe in the God that you believe in. He goes, because, one, Ike Riddle, who is the founding pastor of this church, and he loved this church. He loved the people. And I don't know anybody that's been more passionate in his love for God. He was stricken really bad with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, living in chronic pain, and he couldn't do the church anymore, and he had to retire. And he's like, look at Ike. Look what God does to his people. Takes away the things they love. Look at your mom. And my mom loved the Lord, and she had two bouts of cancer. And they told her, because the second one's a return, you'll never be healed again. You know, you're considered healed, and it's just a matter of time. Look at your mom. Look at Tracy Murphy, who, who was a diligent servant here at Olive Branch and got cancer and died. And look at your friend Steve Hook. God took away his art. Now, you Christians, you pray for healing. Oh, Lord. And God heals them, and then you're like, wow, what a good and powerful God we serve. And then when he doesn't heal, you go, well, it's God's will. And he goes, and you give him an out. And he said, I have a problem with that. And it really challenged me. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if I really have a good answer for this. So a while later, I went back up to Oregon to visit Steve Hook. And I said, hey, Steve. And I told him this situation. And I said, what would you tell my dad? And he goes, you know what? Go home. And you tell your dad, the Lord healed me. And I'm kind of like, what? And he's like, you know, I left when I found out and started suffering some of that. I, I took off. I was angry with God. I was frustrated with my situation. I didn't want to be this burden to my wife who she's going to have to take care of for the rest of her life. But God brought me back home. He gave me peace. I can accept this now. Yeah, I have bad days. But he has healed me emotionally. He has healed me relationally. And he has healed me spiritually. And I know without a doubt I will see the f healing completely on the other side of eternity. So you tell your dad, I'm healed. And it really affected me. And it reminded me of Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. It passes all understanding because from the world's perspective, he's not healed. But because he has that assurance that he knows that healing is coming and the fact that God is dealing with him in the other areas of his life with it, he's good. And Romans 5, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. 
We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces long-suffering. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And if you need healing in your life, physical, spiritual, relational, pray. Pray for that healing. But also remind yourself, when we pray, when we come to the Lord in prayer, it's about us aligning our will to God's will. Not trying to get God to meet all of our, man, all of our demands and all of it. Our desires. So when God says wait, or when God says no, pray, God, show me what you're trying to do through me and through this situation. What transfer, what's transformation are you trying to shape in me? What character are you trying to develop in me? Because oftentimes that's what he's doing. Legend has it, somebody asked Michelangelo, um, how did you create the masterpiece David out of a slab of marble? And he said, easy. You get a slab of marble and you chip away everything that doesn't look like David. That's what God does in our lives. He's chipping everything away that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. It may not be how we would do it or how we would want him to do it, but we need to remind ourselves, he is the artist. He has the vision for your life. And he knows what we need and what we truly need. The, our biggest priorities, our biggest essentials are already taken care of. Our bank account is full. Anything that we suffer on this side of eternity is a mere inconvenience. Because everything is taken care of. And I heard somebody talking about healing the other day. And... and and one of the questions he asked that really, really was, I thought, a beautiful thought is when it comes to healing, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, whether it be relational, what do you want in your life? Do you want the healing? Is that really what you want? Or do you want God's glory through it to be the center of your life? Whose story are you ultimately bought into? And what is sitting on your altar? And if it's God, trust. Trust that his promises are true. And you can find real peace. The peace that came on Christmas morning. A couple of verses in John 14, 27 says, Jesus has left his peace with us. A peace that is bigger than the peace our world can give us. And John 16, 33 says, This peace is given because he has overcome the world. He has overcome the evils of this world. He has made us right with him. Again, peace is being right with your enemies. And as Christians, and being once enemies of God, being redeemed to children of God, we can find that peace in that relationship. All our needs will be met. We will be without want. We will be free from all that encumbers us. 
And if you've placed your faith in the work of Jesus Christ and chosen to follow him, I just remind yourself, remind yourself of that. Remind yourself that the bank account is full, that you have assurance. He said, write this down. It is true and trustworthy. And that no matter what we face in this world, everything's taken care of. Our account is full. Everything else is just an inconvenience. But again, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't made that decision, you know, then really, I don't think you can really have true peace. You know, that true assurance. I mean, you know, your life might be in crisis, or you're, you might be thinking, my life is going great. But I would also say this. If your life is going, if you knew your life is going great this week, but next week, every aspect of your life is going to fall apart. How much peace can you have during that window where everything seems to be going right, knowing that destruction is coming? And I don't want to get all fire and brimstone, but, but that's the promise we have if we don't know Jesus Christ, a promise of judgment, wrath, and condemnation. Jesus said the first time he came, I didn't come to condemn the world because the world is condemned already. That would be redundant. I came to save the world. We were condemned already. We were his enemies. But he's offering you today an opportunity to make peace with God. To make that relationship between the creator and the creator the way it should be. So that you may know true peace. No matter how good of a life we have lived, we still fall miserably short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we can't become who we're supposed to be without Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still his enemies. And that's the good news. That's the gospel, that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place when we least deserved it. So if you don't know the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity right now to make that peace with him. So if everybody could just bow their heads for a moment. And if you're a believer, pray. Pray that if somebody in this room doesn't know God, that God would work in their hearts. God would open their hearts to the possibility of making peace with him. And if that's you, and you're feeling God speaking to your heart right now, pray this with me. And the prayer is... Is not a magical prayer or wording. It's really just a heart. And say this, Lord, I turn away from my sins and I turn to you, God. And I trust that my sins will be wiped away. Today, today I stop running from you and I surrender to you and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And if you have prayed that prayer today, I really just want to ask you to fill out one of these blue cards that are in the seat back in front of you, these first step cards. Give us your name. Give us your email address. Give us your phone number because we would like to continue this conversation with you. Answer any questions you might have. Make sure we, we can get you the materials you're going to need. So we would just ask you, and as the prayer team comes forward uh, in a few minutes, bring that card to them. Have them pray with you. 
And they'll be here for others that need prayer too. But again, if you prayed that, let us know so we can, we can minister to you. Thank you. And it's just if you want to stand up, Mark is going to lead us in a Christmas carol speaking of the peace that we just talked about.